shoes are for you to use. These tools are for you to use. I'm Dave Marr. Welcome to This Is Your Afterlife, the podcast where I talk to artists and activists, anyone who devotes their time to reimagining this world, and I ask them to imagine the next world. My guest this week is Angela Oliver, teaching artist, comedian, actor, writer. But before I get to Angela, I just want to thank everyone who has rated and reviewed the show after our debut week last week. It is so kind and nice with an independent project like this, that feedback, you know, we're in quarantine I'm not performing on stage. Those little messages, those reviews, that is what I am feeding off of right now. Other than, of course, the intrinsic motivation of doing something deeply connected to your soul's expression. And, you know, you know what I'm saying. And if you will indulge me, I'd like to actually read one of those reviews. Um, This is a review on iTunes. (laughs) Five star, of course. Um, yeah, you got to read the five star. Here's the thing. The order of usefulness of stars in reviews, I think goes this way. Five, one, four, and then they're not useful at all. Two and three, any halves, not useful. A one star review, you want to know what that shows about. So if you can't leave a five star review on this show, uh, please leave a one star review and let me know. Uh, what's wrong with my life so I can spiral into a depression. And who knows, there may not be a show next week. Anyway, this review that I want to read, it is from an Apple user named Hap Arden. I don't know if that's a screen name or not, but the review is titled Something Special. And so I'm just going to read, I'm just going to read it right now. This podcast is truly unique and special. It's equal parts funny, deep, inspiring, and beautiful. Dave is an excellent interviewer who really engages with his guests, gently pushing them to reflect further on their instinctive responses. The guests, coming from a milieu of creative backgrounds, provide rich, imaginative, and thought-provoking answers to Dave's scenario-based questions. It's a podcast that will make you laugh, touch your heart, and have you thinking about it days later. I can't wait for more episodes. First of all, that is a very thorough, well-described review. But the more important thing is just thank you. Thank you, Hap. Thank you to you, new or returning after one week listener. I feel like this show is something special too. I'm really grateful to have it out in the world, to continue to work on it. And I'm excited to see where this goes. So, Angela Oliver. I know her through the Annoyance Theater in Chicago, which is my performance home uh, where I teach, where I do shows. Angela does the same thing at Annoyance. And in fact, she wrote an essay this summer on Medium called Systemic Racism in Chicago Improv Scene, One Black Woman's Experience. And it's, you know, there are a lot of reckonings this summer. Some of them spilled over into the comedy scene. Included in the comedy scene are Chicago improv theaters. And this essay was just a really 
eye-opening look into Angela's experience at various theaters in Chicago and how she landed on The Annoyance, but more importantly than big-upping The Annoyance. It was just an interesting look at a perspective that I, as a straight white dude, do not have. So I thought it would be really interesting to talk to her, and it was. She is warm, she is super funny, and if it's not too corny, I felt nourished by this conversation. It was a blast. So now, please enjoy my conversation with Angela Oliver. I grab your whip and take it back to Chi-Town. When I'm in Chi-Town, I treat I'm going to ask for three different introductions. In the first one, it's you introducing yourself to someone that you're sharing a rideshare with. Second introduction is to a person at a party who you suspect could be a good friend. So you're like invested in keeping the conversation going. And the third one is Pearly Gates. Turns out the right religion was Christianity all along. St. Peter is there. And St. Peter's like, welcome Angela Oliver. Um, there's a lot of Angela Olivers. I'm going to need you to be more specific. Okay. So the first one is a ride share. My fake name is always Tiffany, but I'll give them my real name. I'm going to assume this is a nice person. Wait, do you uh, ride? Do you, does your Uber or Lyft account oh, you mean say to the, the name driver. Tiffany? No, I meant, I meant to like the, if it's, there's a passenger, cause I've done pre COVID, I would do <laughs> Uber pools if I'm being cheap and I'm not in a hurry. Of course. But my question is, what is the protection that Tiffany provides <laughs> over Angela? It's just, it's the name that I use when I'm lying to people about what my name is. And now everybody knows. <laughs> okay. So you say, hey, I'm Tiffany. Do you say anything about but, being Tiffany? No. Well, Tiffany's no. just a name. There's no other protection to the identity? No. Okay. No. Fair. So, You're like, I'm Tiffany. I'm a performer at The Annoyance. I do comedy around the city. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. If I'm feeling good, I might, I'll tell them my real name. I'm like, I'm Angela. And usually when I'm in an Uber in Chicago, I was always either going to a theater, like the Annoyance or 773 or just a theater, any performance space. And they'd look back at me a lot of the times and be like, you got an actor face, you know, like I can't win. Yeah. Or I would be going to an audition because there's only certain, you know, there's only a handful of casting offices in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And they'd be like, oh, you're going to um, Cinespace, huh? You're going to Cinespace. You got an audition? They look back and they keep trying to make small talk with me as I'm running my lines with myself. Mm-hmm. So Angela is usually what I give the Uber driver. I just say I'm Angela. Yes, I'm an actor because I usually ask because of the location that I'm going to. And I'm like, yeah, I'm an actor. Okay. Or Second City. If, if I was going to Second City, <laughs> I would always tell them I was a server instead of an actor because I didn't want to hear any Amazing. jokes because they it. would tell me jokes. But um, mm, That's so interesting because I'm used to being asked for jokes. They, they would try and I'd say I'm not that kind of comedian. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. That's, that's amazing. I was teaching recently and there was a, uh, there was a student, she was talking about, because she she's just moved, right? And the disappointment of telling people she was moving to Chicago for comedy and them asking her to tell a joke. And she would oblige. She would like tell them jokes and then get disappointed when they didn't laugh. And I was like, it's very interesting to talk to someone who's so new that you are yeah. revealing a new thing to them by saying, yo, don't, don't 
give them what they're asking for in Don't that do it. Don't interaction. Do it. I always like to use, I'm sure you've heard other people say this, like if if you were an accountant, would I ask you to do my taxes right now on the spot? Right, exactly. But it's tough in a rideshare because they are literally doing their job as you're, it's like, (laughs) if you drive for for Lyft, would I, well, I guess I am asking you to drive. Well, well, that's optional though, right? (laughs) You could just say, I'd enjoy a quiet ride, please, you know? (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Because um, everybody needs something different, especially I think performers. We need some of us need a moment to like turn off while we're on our way to our comedy show or our show show. I know I like to turn off in the car. Yeah, for sure. Like I, I am. Sometimes I by... turn off on stage. <laughs> That's like, yeah. You guys yeah. don't deserve this. Right now. <laughs> I don't have this in me at the moment. <laughs> Well, well, for me, because I'm so artsy, turning off is how you turn on. Turn off your inner critic so you can get in touch with your present self. Hey, I am <laughs> here for it. I'm I'm on board with that type of, yes, in touch with the universe sort of creativity. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. so in the car, it's I'm Angela or Tiffany. I'm an actor. What about at the party? At the party. So... I extrovert on stage. I'm slow to warm up at parties. Okay. Uh, so if they've seen me around and maybe we're at the bar having a old fashioned because I'm an old soul. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say Angie probably. Okay. Because that's when I'm feeling chill and less like I'm at work. Let me straighten my bow tie. So Angie <laughs> is what I'd introduce myself as. Okay. And they're like, I've, I've seen you. What is it? How do I know you? How you describe what you do? I, I say that I'm a I'm a teaching artist. So I do I I had traveled to several Chicago schools to teach and perform uh, with Storytown Improv, and maybe you've seen me at the Annoyance on Sundays with Matt Damon Improv, or maybe you've seen me at Second City understudying in last year's review. Uh, maybe you've seen me. In a casting agency <laughs> or an office. Okay, so then you're at the gates of heaven. Oh, St. Peter. What What am I? I'm introducing Angela Oliver. Oh, yes. Okay, St. Peter. I want to get into heaven. I am Angela Oliver. Remember the adorable little six-year-old that sang the greatest love of all at her first grade talent show? I'm that Angela Oliver. Or the adorable Angela Oliver that like was completely off book for her Easter speech when she was eight. <laughs> okay, so you're relying on like adorability and studiousness. Well, like if I'm trying to get into heaven, it's like my my literal elevator pitch, right? <laughs> sure, 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 sure. Totally, um, totally. I tried to put as much good into the world as I could. Uh, and that's not just like for St. Peter. That's like literally what I've been trying to do with my art, like. I can remember the thing that really made me want to perform is making people forget about their pain for a little bit. Did you have a moment when you remember doing that? Yeah. So a lot of it at first, I I knew that I liked to perform. So it became this like, let me perform and let me impress people. But then there was a shift where it was like, oh, I don't want to impress people. I want to like bring some joy to people. I want us to experience this moment together. And um, that's when I was Dorothy and the Wiz. I was in the 12th grade. My grandma was really sick with, with cancer. And she was in a lot of pain, very weak from all the treatments. And she came to see the Wiz. And she was like, 
And I was scared because this is grandma. This is church grandma. Yeah, like right, Mary, right, right. <laughs> I was scared of what she would think. And she yeah. was like, Angela, that was so good. I forgot I was in pain. Wow. And that's really amazing. It was amazing coming from such a, a matriarch that I like considered like her word was gold, you know? Well, it feels like maybe getting marching orders, like her giving you like, Guidance or permission, That's what right? It, it did feel like that. It finally felt like she was like, I understand why you love this so much and why you do this. Like, that's what it felt like hearing that. Okay, so we're in heavy territory already. So this isn't as much <laughs> of a pivot as it usually is. But my next question is, what do you hope happens when you die? I, so, because I was like thinking about the title of your podcast, mm-hmm. and every time I think about the afterlife, I always think of that movie, What Dreams May Come. Have you seen it? That's so funny. I haven't seen it. And in fact, I forget which, I think it was the Andrew Sai episode, this musician. Uh, and But I referenced that. I remember the poster of it very vividly. Yeah. But I've never seen the movie. Tell me about I, it. Always think about it. Okay, Robin Williams is in it, and it's a lot of sad. It's it's heavy. It's pretty heavy. It's sad. he dies or his wife he di- dies. Like everybody, di- okay. everybody dies. I don't know why I'm laughing, but um, <laughs> I mean it's kind of that. intense when something is that. It is, that it is very. Death, it's, it's very. Like- it's so much death in it and sadness. But when he dies, he like goes to this world that looks like art. It looks like because uh, his wife is a painter. And that's how she copes with her grief of losing him because he died before her. And before he died, they lost their kids. Like, it's just, it's sad. Yeah. So like a cup, kids die in a car crash. I'm sorry, I'm spoiling it, everybody. Uh, yeah. Kids die in a car crash. Four years later, he dies in a, in a car accident. And then his wife is just left to deal with her grief. And she has her, of course, she has her art and she paints to ha- try to cope. So when he dies, um, he goes to this like beautiful dreamlike land that's paint and it's like swirly and he's like i guess a lucid dreamer because it keeps bending at his whim and mm. it's really beautiful and fantastical the way for especially that time period you know special effects yeah back then in movies it was just very visually fantastical and i think i hope that it's kind of like that i hope that it's fantastical and that we can bend it with our create you know like our imagination is there a specific work of art or painting that you'd want to serve as like a base, a home base? You know, you're twisting it and bending it, but it starts as, I don't know, some Salvador Dali shit or, or, I know. or a, Oh my a, God. Could it, I, I would love if it was just like, like a museum almost, but like this impressionist museum that we could just kind of get to wander through. Yeah. That would the, would the, works be are you glimpsing at other people's lives are you glimpsing at moments of your own life i would i would hope that we would be able to interact with other energies and not just ourselves and i and i when i say energies i mean us that's how i view people we're all like energy orbs and i, and I would love if we could interact and kind of be like these like lights these glowing energies that are passing each other through the hall of this fantastical museum and that you know if you want to let that energy in you can like hi come to my wing and see what i've made 
I would, I would hope that we could still make or create yeah. in the afterlife. Cool. Like if, if I wanted to just sit and sing in a like impressionistic Obama painting, I don't know. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I really like that painting of Obama, you know, that, that one. I like that painting. The, the, the official the flower. Um, yeah. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. Right. I forget that artist's name, but yeah. Yeah. He, I think, does cool. It's not like Marshall something. It, like Marshall Sinclair is what is in my name, but I don't think that's right. I don't know. I'd have to Google it. I don't have anything. But, yeah, um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll I'll research it and then actually like put a the right name in the show notes. But yeah, I like just like the idea of things kind of being like a museum or just like an up to date version of Quantum Leap, where you can where go to different leap times, through different. Yeah, yeah, but not you know for me safe times. I don't sure. even know what time that is yet, right? As a as so, a black woman, you mean? As a black woman, yes. yes. For okay. those listening, I don't. Right. Uh, times that don't have any threat to our well being. Yeah, uh, that feels heaven, like it would so, be tough. Yeah, yeah, but it's heaven though, so it'd be my heaven. So it'd automatically be that because it's my it's my afterlife. I just want to ask you about funeral planning. Oh. Have you thought about things you definitely want, things you definitely don't want? You know, uh-huh. songs is, I think, the classic one that people have maybe considered, but there could be any number of things you've thought about. I kind of want it to be a variety show. Okay. I want it to be a variety show. I want people to, like, prepare their favorite whatever it is that they like to do. Uh, I would love for it to be a celebration of my life and not this sad Greek tragedy of a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, absolutely music. I would love Kirk Franklin and God's property to be there. Amazing. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> if he's not there, then let me tell you, I grew up in Arkansas and I lived in Chicago for 19 years, but the only thing I was allowed to do, like the concerts I was allowed to go to was a Kirk Franklin concert. And I felt so free because I could dance and it was close enough to pop music for me. You know, I remember because I grew up as a kid, a little kid in Oklahoma. So pretty close. And yeah. yeah, I grew up in the church, was not allowed to listen to, to much music, but I kind of resented Kirk Franklin. I was like, Did I didn't know? get it. I was like, this sounds too much like church. But recently I went back and revisited. I'm like, this shit kind of knocks, man. It, like it, there's some it, good yeah, Kirk it, Franklin songs. It's a banger. It's, yeah. It's, it's a yeah. Banger. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. Like if we're going to have church music, let it be upbeat and joyful. Mm-hmm. Not like, because some of those hymns are sad, like sounding. They sound yeah. sad. Did you um, did you hear that most recent? Not even the Kanye album, the Sunday Service Choir album. Yes, it's. I mean, I know. I know I he's know. in a yes. weird place right now, but that album. But that I was album, like, you're right. You you're absolutely right. You know what? Bring them too. That that kind of that's the kind of like if we're gonna have church music. That's the kind of church music I would like. I would like my uncle to play if he's still around. What's my he uncle do? plays by ear. He can play like any song by ear on the piano and organ. So, and I have so many talented friends and if they're free, they could drop by. This might just be like a Coachella. I mean, my, my funeral, (laughs) 
I, <laughs> that's what I want for my funeral. Uh, I have talked to some of my family members about not wanting, I don't know what they will honor, but not wanting people to view my corpse and mm-hmm. having it just be like, celebrate how I was alive. Remember me alive and not as a cadaver. Like I, I yeah. just, I've never enjoyed seeing people dead in a casket personally. Yeah, I don't know if many people are like big fans. It doesn't of that. look because it doesn't even look like them at all. No, and the last time I did, like you can see, like you see, I remember you see the just makeup, blue makeup, and there was like a blue little like chalkiness around the like fingers, and I'm like, what is this? Like this it. isn't even makeup. This is some other. They're measuring something, and it, yeah, it's well, very. Well, I don't know why we do it. I and I, <laughs> I used to ask my mom this when I was a child, like. Why do we do? Why is this our way? You know, other cultures do it differently. Um, What'd she say? What was her answer? She's just like, this is the way they do it. And she admitted that she doesn't like looking at dead uh, bodies and caskets either. I I don't think anybody does. Right. It'd be, I don't 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 want to meet that person. (laughs) I don't know why we do it though. Why not have like a a beautiful like slideshow of them (laughs) and cremate them? put me on a raft with some lays all over me or something. And just, I'd rather be cremated. I don't know that I want to live on anybody's mantle, you know, my ashes. I don't want to do that necessarily, but sprinkle me in like cool places. Like as you travel around, that'd be kind of cool. I always thought like you can get yourself turned into a diamond too. Have you heard that? I've heard. Okay. So I recently also, Andrew saw, talked about getting you turned into a record. You can get turned into a record. What? I did. I heard the thing about the diamond because of Ozark. Have you seen Ozark? I've, I, okay, here's the thing with Ozark. Please. I've started and yeah. tried to finish. It is. I don't know. I don't know about everybody else, but it's slow moving. It's for me. Seasons two and three, and I know that's the worst. Is when someone's like, "You just gotta." But actually, it it picked up. I thought, but I I do know what you're saying. Um, I also was watching it, and I was like. There's a lot of white people in this show. I don't. Is this like a white? Maybe did it feel like it a white people? You know thing? what? Maybe that you you. Because <laughs> I maybe that's my euphemism for this is too white. <laughs> <laughs> it's just slow moving. You know it's what? Not very I spicy. It's just slow moving. I don't know why I can't look at it. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> that's great. No, because I was wondering that. I'm like, man, I'm like really invested in this. You know what? It is so white. It is. It is. That is I mean, it and is. it makes sense. It's in the Ozarks. But I'm like, there's no way that there's n- this few people of well, any color in the Ozarks. You know? Well, yeah, there is. It's the Ozarks. Well, that's, but that's what that's I mean. Northern. Isn't that northern Arkansas? Uh, well, they're in like Missouri, I think. Right? Oh, they're oh! I know they like connect. They yeah, yeah, yeah. Ozarks yeah. run right. Okay, so see, I didn't even. But there's like that. country black people in the Ozarks, right? I don't think it's safe over there. Remember when okay. we talked about safe okay. parts? <laughs> I don't think it's safe. Okay, I don't fair. like the head of the KKK is in Northern Arkansas. Right, 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 right. So that's not that far from where they are in Missouri. If they want to, they could incorporate that into the storyline. Like he could be. <laughs> right. They have to do some business deals. Right, right, right. So you don't want to be turned into a ring. A ring? I don't know. I mean, honestly. Well, you said a diamond. These, you don't want to be turned into a, a diamond. diamond. In these COVID times, uh, 
use use like can you turn my body into universal base basic income for everybody <laughs> i like that you're being turned into a concept you know what I'm i think saying? that's good can yeah why like... do we have to limit it to the corporeal world for sure right like why especially moving to la you know california's problem with with homelessness and all that like just being right in your face when we have the resources yeah we have the resources to provide like basic level income for people yeah absolutely i mean we don't just, but they do i mean you know? we don't you and i don't but right. they, they they do, do. like yeah, our, they do for sure yeah 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 so okay. i don't know body turn my body into universal basic income <laughs> It's Dave. If you like This Is Your Afterlife, you should go to thisisdavemar.com and sign up for my free newsletter, Hella Immaculate. Every week in the newsletter, I share one, a micro essay about an aspect of creativity or culture like the creative lessons of Drag Race Thailand or the visionary anti-racism of Hoobastank. Two, a hyper-specific playlist, for example, 90s Beach Xanax or Pelot de Don set for 2008 Pitchfork Music Festival after party where I saw Julia Stiles. And finally, a few actions we can take to pour water on our world on fire. Hella Immaculate is a way for me to connect with audiences beyond live venues and across the globe. And it's the best way to learn about classes I'm teaching, podcast updates, eventual live shows, and whenever I'm typecast as a homeless addict again on a TV show set in Chicago. Again, go to thisisdavemar.com to subscribe to my newsletter, Hella Immaculate. As you may know, I'm a DIY operation, so please tell your friends. A hard vouch means everything. Back to the show. So next question is, is under the heading Relive One Memory. Because oh. in the one-man show that this podcast is based on, I propose that in the afterlife, one of the features of it is you get to fully relive one memory whenever you want, as many times as you want. You're not stuck in it. That's not the whole afterlife. Mm -hmm. But you mm -hmm. get to choose to fully drop into it. It's not just running in your head. You're like re-experiencing it. So if that were the case, what memory would you choose? God, uh, to relive. So a couple years ago, we surprised my mom with like this mother-daughter getaway. Uh, most of my family still lives in Arkansas, by the way. And I've lived kind of like as an artist orphan in Chicago with no family, primarily no family, but chosen family, like the community, the Chicago mm -hmm. community has been great. Uh, so we planned this mother-daughter getaway to uh, Napa Valley. My sister lives in Oakland, so it's not that far. We drive up to Napa Valley and it's like, I call it blue-collar bougie. We got to be blue-collar bougie because mm -hmm. I am not bougie, but I can pretend. I can, when I'm in the setting, I will pretend. And it was just so nice. We we went to this Napa Valley Lodge, vacation lodge, like we're, you know, foo-foo. Uh, went to the tastings and she didn't know I was going to go. So the fun part about this, she didn't know I was going to surprise her. I took the BART because, you know, I'm Chicago tough. I'm built Chicago tough. Mm -hmm. I'll figure out the BART. I can write the CTA. I can write the BART. Mm -hmm. um, the BART is San Francisco's public transit for yeah. those who don't know. And it's weird, too, because it has, like, couch seats in it. 
<laughs> I don't oh, know, shit. like cushion, like cushiony seats. That's tight. I did not realize that. Yeah, it's weird. Uh, so anyway, I'm riding these like couch seats on the public transit to surprise my mom, and I just like I sneak and get the the key to the lodge as they're saying, and surprise her. She doesn't know I'm there, and she's just like so. I've never surprised her. I don't think like that. So like for mm. me, that was such a nice moment of surprising her because she thought I was in Chicago and I was like sending her messages like, oh, I'm bummed. You guys are having fun without me. So that was nice. It was just nice for us to do something like treat ourselves, even though like, you know, we don't, that's not really a practical thing for us to do or anything, but it was just nice. And so your sister, is that your only sibling? It is. She's okay. my older sister. So mother and like two daughters. It wasn't just like you and your mom. It oh, was yeah. All three a mother and two daughters. Um, we don't see each other much because we were on like, it's like a little triangle. So I'm in Chicago. My sister's in Oakland. My mom's in Arkansas. So it's yeah. like, we don't really see each other that much. So that was, it was just a nice memory. To, and it was to for her birthday? In. Mother's Day. Mother's Day. Okay. So since that Mother's Day though, she has wanted to like, top that and we were like what <laughs> you're like we broke the bank on that trip like this that is... was that was our what dreams may come mom yeah. that was like our... <laughs> i'm sorry i'm not there yet uh i will be soon i don't know claim it whatever yes yes the power of um, positive thinking yeah po- power of positive thinking as the pandemic happens on my dreams mm-hmm. that's what i say <laughs> so how long was the napa trip uh it was like i want to say like four or five days we stayed a good amount of time in this in this small little napa valley town where some of the people had never left i remember talking to this one guy that worked at a winery he was just like i've never left you know and i was like so like don't (laughs) (laughs) are you kidding me it's so nice here you know you gotta do you know like farming grapes and tasting wine are you kidding Mm -hmm. me so if this i'm wondering if part of what made the experience fun was this blue collar bougie aesthetic because in my mind that means that you're going to these tastings you're going on these tours you're not the only people there right you're like around other people and there's maybe this feeling of getting away with something or like these are not our people so we don't even like they don't even know that we're like undercover as bougie wine people for me personally i i can slide it i've always done it i i am deserving that's how i walk into rooms (laughs) i am deserving of this no i am not from you know, Ivy League generational wealth, but I am deserving. I will. Yes, I will. Am I supposed to spit out this wine? I'm not because I'm blue collar bougie. <laughs> I'm not spitting it out. And I know you're supposed to, uh, but I was on vacation. So I'm going to live my life. Yeah, no. You know? fuck that. I'm going to live my life. How did you get that? Teach me how to do the deserving thing. How did you get that? How did you? Honestly. Okay. So the the woman I talked about at the top of our of the show, my grandma, that's how, that's her spirit. Like, that's just that lady's spirit. Her nickname was Honey, and I know why. Like, she was just, I am deserving. So she instilled that, like, in her whole, we call it Addie's apples, my grandma, for her apples. Okay. We always walk into a place like, I am deserving. 
It's not something that I always, I have self-doubt and all this. You know, of course, of course, of course. Right, right, right. But I have to remember and say that to myself because there are a lot of evil forces, as you know, <laughs> yeah. trying to like distract us from that, believing that about ourselves. So will you have, how actively is deservingness implanted in you? Do you, do you or not actively, how consciously, like, are you, does it feel like something you just carry with you naturally now? Or are you aware of going into situations and having to psych yourself up a little bit? I think it's a practice. It's not like something that comes natural because I think sometimes I have to like take a break and lick my own wounds and and nurse myself back up to that, like, you know, gas yourself up, psych yourself up for a situation because it's intimidating walking like but for that like going to Napa Valley I have psyched myself up enough to channel my inner you know that moment in Pretty Woman where she's like huge mistake like when lady they treat her wrong and she goes back (laughs) and she's like yeah I can't wait to do that yet I haven't done it COVID's got everything shut down but wait till everything opens back up yes honestly (laughs) I know this is this is gonna be goofy of me to refer back to Ozark but that's kind of what I loved about Jason Bateman's character in Ozark He's not the greatest guy, but the way he gets to tell people off in that show is just like, it's fucking beautiful, man. (laughs) Like there's the one union boss whose son fucks up and he's like, if you don't get him in line, the next time you see him, see him, he's going to be swinging from a bridge in Juarez. I'm like, I would love to be able to threaten people on that level (laughs) of like swinging (laughs) from a bridge in Juarez is like, holy fuck. So my last big question is, what's your coma? And I'll explain. Because, mm-hmm. you know, five years ago, I was in this coma for a month. And it's a pretty, one, one of the big moments of transformation in my life. There's like before this moment, there's after this moment. What is a moment of transformation like that for you? Where you can think like, this was pre Mm-hmm. This event, Angie, and this is post. I, so first half of my 20s, I was trying, even though I'd already had that lesson of, you know, doing art makes me happy and I should do this. I have the nod from my grandma. You should do this full heartedly. I was still trying to be like this adult that looked good on paper. So I would try to get these jobs, these grown-up jobs, like everybody does after college, that made me feel like I had some sort of stability while I also was trying to be an actor. So that's really, that's difficult. Most performing artists know that. Comedians, you all know. It's hard to find that day job that looks good on paper while you still pursue your passion. So I was working at office jobs and I was trying to work at a daycare for a while, but these were all things that took me away from my art, which is what, that's my passion. That's my, my heart's work. That's what I feel like I should be doing. So I would say that was when I was in the coma, when I was doing all these things that took me away from my art, trying to look good on paper. I had been, I won't name the company, uh, but I will forever be mad at this place. They are on my shit list with AOL and Best Western. Wait till I get my money right, as the old Kanye would say. Uh, (laughs) But I was working at this firm that shall remain unnamed. 
and I was neglecting my health, all this stuff to try to play the game, you know, the office culture game. You want to stay in it and because it, it's providing you health care and a base salary and this cute little apartment in Edgewater. But it was running me to the ground. I started like getting an eye twitch and all this shit, you know, those things that are telltale signs that like this is not healthy for you. Right. GI issue, you know, intestinal problems, all this stuff, stress. So I kept getting sick all the time. I was out sick with the flu. I had the flu for a long time. It was a bad bout of the flu. I received an email that I had been discharged while I was out sick with the flu after working at a place for five years. You say discharged, but fired. Fired. Yeah. That's me. Discharged. Like it's a fucking hospital. Like, Jesus. I know. I know. So I was fired via email and I was, I don't know. I was in my mid twenties. I can't remember. Maybe it's 26, 27 or something. I did not know what to do. I was in Chicago. Don't have family in Chicago. Had a fever, you know, like, so like right, all of this right. on top, like, I didn't know what to do. And I called my mom and, and like, I was in a dark place for, for a hot second for a little bit. But the only thing that really kept me going was my art. Imagine that like that. <laughs> it took me getting fired to return to what I needed to be doing, you know, in the first place that brought me joy and made me feel so whole. Um, well, cause you said you were taking these jobs and then doing your art on the side. It became, yeah. Does that mean you, you were doing less of it? You actually had, you stopped doing it at that point or I, I was doing it, but I was running myself into the ground cause yeah. it was like nonstop. I, I would, I had no rest when I tell I don't know how people do it, but I had no rest. There was no cooking dinner or like going to the doctor about that thing that I've been ignoring for a couple years. Like I, I was, it was grind culture. It was 110% grind culture. And I was, I would say probably killing myself to do it. Yeah. Um, So after I, I was fired while I was out sick with the flu. Yay. Life. Um, It turned out to be a blessing in disguise because after I, I lost that job, I got unemployment for that whole year because I was wrongfully terminated. Um, I, I had to do the whole thing where you're on the phone with the, you know, the mm-hmm. unemployment mediator mm-hmm. with the former boss. That was so scary. I had never done anything like that in my life. Um, in hindsight, I would have been more like, but this was like, I had never experienced anything like this. I was yeah. caught way off guard, but I got unemployment and my friend an artist friend of mine hooked me up with my first teaching artist job. So right after I got fired, I was, I became a teaching artist. I was teaching poetry because I had a slam poetry phase. I don't know if you knew this about me, Dave, No. but I used to compete in slams nationally, globally. That was. Wow. Damn. Amazing. So I was teaching slam poetry and creative writing in high schools going around because that's still like, all these things that I do inform one another, you know, comedy, slam, improv, it's all related. So I would like fuse that into the lessons. And then I started teaching improv uh, workshops through Storytown and it snowballed. And I've been freelancing for seven years. Ever since then, I've never worked at another marketing firm or office that like 
you know, for seven years, my you said? right? Yeah. So I've been freelancing and, and just piecing it all together, which is stressful too, in a different way. Um, but I feel so much better. The eye yeah. twitch is gone. Yeah, so, <laughs> so post coma, I would say when my eye was twitching, I was in a coma. Okay. I would say, if you knew me then, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm so I am not that person anymore. I've shed that snake skin of being depressed and self-neglecting, trying to keep up and get that 401k. You need it. Like these are things that you need, but I just, I was running myself into the ground. Well, right. It's one thing to be like deserving, feel deserving in any individual social situation. And then it's another to like pull back and be like, no, I'm deserving of not putting myself through five years of hell for no reason. That's like a totally different it level of deservingness. Hell, Dave. And I was like a support manager, so I received all escalations. Ugh, yeah. So people are just like shitting on my ear all day. Right. Not literally, guys. That's no, I no, I understand. That's a very <laughs> specific kind of sex work. <laughs> Okay, so final question. It's a one-question lightning round. What is one thing, one small thing, from culture or daily life you wish would die? I, I, I am in a space now. I love this pause and reset that we are all, um, we all have space to do right now. So I kind of, and I know it's not going anywhere because capitalism, grind culture. Yes, totally. I totally agree. Because when you were talking earlier about grind culture, I think even people who don't have a day job, there's still this feeling of you have to be doing X amount of shows or you have to be churning out X amount of things. And it's like, that's not, and it's very male too. Like, the, yeah. especially in stand up, the thing of like, you got to be doing 15 sets a week or something. It's like totally ignores that like Beth Stelling in Chicago from everything I heard, she like started yes. her own show. Yes. She, she didn't do hella shows all the time. And she's no. very successful and continues to rise. And it's yes, like- sweet Beth. I remember Beth. Sweet yeah, Beth. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like there's plenty of, and I, I feel like the people who I see challenging that the most are women. And yeah, non-male it, people. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, oh my God, it's so self-destructive. It yeah. really is. I mean, I, I fell into, in my early 20s, I was falling into that, that trap. And I was getting sick all the time. And that's what people don't tell you. The people who look like they're winning at grind culture, they're it's temporary. Themselves. It's yeah, temporary. They're like, they're not, not really telling you about the dark sides of that. You don't know. Some of the people present. whose voices in my mind are like the voices of, you know, the new comic who's telling you how many sets they're doing yeah. are also the same people who, and also no shade to this, but a couple years later, we're not doing it anymore. Decided to become some other thing entirely. Yeah, you move on and that's yeah. okay. That's it's okay, okay too. But it's hard not to see those things as related. You burn yourself out. And grind culture. 
Do you follow the NAP ministry? Do you know anything about the NAP yes, ministry? Yes, I'm the, That's my new church. <laughs> Dude. I love the NAP ministry. I just learned about them, and I thought it was a joke at first. I'm like, this is mm-hmm. it. Literally, they're like, challenge capitalism, take a nap this weekend. And you're like, what is this shit? And then I kept following them, and I'm like, I fuck with all of these also, messages. for me personally as a black woman and black women are made to be everybody else's nurturer except Mm -hmm. for them you know like let me have me i need to nurture me please and thank you uh the article like people coming at me i got so many dms people coming at me missing the whole point of why i wrote what i wrote oh the article about yeah yeah, what was it called what did you title it I don't know. I was it's like mad. white supremacy like, in Chicago <laughs> improv or something like that. It was like I was mad and typing. Um, no, it was great. I didn't think it came off as uh, mad at and all. That's though. what people say. They're like, you're eloquently upset. Um, <laughs> I, I think it was white supremacy and improv. Uh, right. One black woman's experience because right. it was just my experience. I don't I know it's different for everybody. But what I I didn't want was people inviting me to educate them further. That's not what I was doing. It's like, I am tired, boo-boos. I need a nap. Didn't you, like 15 years of this. I am so tired. And you put it all in there. I did. I was very thorough. There were links. (laughs) Right. Well, and it's crazy. I never realized this, but asking, you know, traditionally marginalized people to further educate traditionally non-marginalized people is kind of the same. It's a much worse version of asking comedians to tell you a joke. It's, it's like, I yeah, already do this thing in this very specific not, context. Yeah, it's not, it, that's not my, my job. There are professional people that do that. You know, right. there are people reach out to them and those links that I so graciously provided mm-hmm. when I did not need to do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. Grind culture death to grind culture, um, rest, rest and rest, especially black women. I know. Cause I just know that we work so hard. That's, I guess that's why that was my favorite thing with my mom and my sister that we just got to be together and just chill. Cause I know how hard we work all the time. And it's, it just feels like we work so hard and rarely get acknowledged for the, cause we have to work hard just to be seen and accepted. Um, so yeah, rest, nap ministry, join the church, join the mission. (laughs) And that's the show. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to follow Angie on Instagram, you can do that. Her handle is Angie Oliver. It's spelled A-N-J-E-E Oliver. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram. Email me at Gmail with the handle This Is Dave Marr. That's everywhere. You can go to my website, thisisdavemar.com, to sign up for my newsletter, Hella Immaculate. Please support the show by subscribing to it in whatever podcast app you listen to. Rate it, review it. Remember, five stars or one star. Those are the options. But truly, those little things do make a big difference for me. So thank you so much, and I'll talk to you next week. Human beings, they do me.